Lesson 2 of Elements of Geology by W. S. W. Ruschenberger. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barbara Jade Sirenen. Elements of Geology by W. S. W. Ruschenberger. Lesson 2. Organic Remains. Fossils, How Produced. First Geological Epoch. Primitive Rocks, Granite, Gneiss, Mica Schist, Argillaceous Schist. Second Geological Epoch. Transition Formation. Cambrian System, Silurian System, Trilobites and Other Animal Remains. Devonian System, Fossil Fishes, Fossils, Limits of the transition formation, strata changed in position by geological convulsions. We find entombed in the different strata of the crust of the globe a great quantity of the remains of organic bodies which at different epochs have lived on its surface. Those which exist in the present formations and which have been deposited since the last great revolutions of the earth generally preserve their primitive composition. But those which have been found in the more ancient strata have been altered in their nature and passed into the fossil state. The gelatinous, fleshy, or ligneous portions which concurred in their formation have in part disappeared and have been more or less replaced by stony particles. By the term fossil, formed from the Latin fodio, I dig, is meant any organic body, or the traces of any organic body, whether animal or vegetable, which has been buried in the earth by natural causes. In general, it is the hard parts, those that are capable of long-resisting decomposition, which alone undergo this kind of alteration, such as bones, shells, and scales, for example. We never find flesh, nor nails, nor soft fruits, nor other analogous bodies in a fossil state. Sometimes even these hard bodies disappear and leave merely traces of their existence in an impression or print in the rock that enveloped them. The organic remains which are found in the most superficial and most recent strata of the crust of the earth belong in part to species which still exist. But most fossils are derived from animals or plants which have not existed since a period anterior to historic times, and the species of which are now totally extinct. In general, they differ from species now living more and more in proportion to the antiquity of the strata in which they are found, and in most of the strata of the Earth's crust we find certain species which are not met with either in more ancient or more recent formations. It is by comparing the fossils with each other and by combining this study with that of the order of superposition in which the different strata are found and with their mode of formation that we have arrived at a knowledge of the earth at periods long anterior to the creation of man and are enabled to trace the history of the great revolutions which have successively disturbed and changed its surface. We learn by this study that the physical condition of the surface of the earth 
as well as that of the organized beings by which this surface is inhabited, has undergone great and numerous changes. Entire creations of animals and of plants have succeeded each other, after having peopled the waters and inhabited the land for ages, each in its turn has been destroyed by some great catastrophe of nature and given place to a new creation. But the appearance of a new flora or a new fauna, the destruction of living beings, and the deposit of enormous beds of rocks are not the only phenomena which characterize the great revolutions of the earth. At different epochs, total overthrows of which the most fearful earthquakes and volcanic eruptions of our times can give but a very feeble idea, have raised up the solid crust of the globe and produced lofty chains of mountains whose elevation, immense as it appears to us, was even still greater before the valleys and basins that separate them were gradually filled by new deposits. The great revolutions of the earth appear to have been separated by long periods of tranquility during which animals and plants multiplied on different parts of the globe's surface and deposits of solid materials borne by the waters or drawn from the bosom of the earth were heaped up constituting beds of rocks of greater or less thickness and varying in their nature in the substance of which were entombed the remains of contemporaneous animals and plants. The natural history of the globe is written in the very rocks of which our planet is composed, and the study of these ancient monuments of the power of the Creator teaches us what transpired long before the existence of man on the earth. These fossils are truly the metals of creation, metals which are more important and incomparably more ancient than all those of Greece and Rome or the hieroglyphics of Egypt. of the natural revolutions of the globe. The history of the globe, like that of nations, is divided into a certain number of distinct periods, during each of which the state of things changed but little, yet it resembles neither that which preceded nor that which followed after it. Geologists designate under the term formation the assemblage of rocks which were produced during each one of these periods, comprised in the interval between two of these revolutionary disturbances of the globe. For example, they give the name of Cretaceous formation, from the Latin creta, chalk, to the assemblage of rocks which were deposited or derived from the interior of the earth during a geological epoch in a part of which chalk was deposited and Jurassic formation is the name given to the assemblage of contemporaneous sedimentary rocks composing the most remarkable strata of the mountains of Jura, etc. Beginning with the most ancient, we will examine these several formations in succession. First geological epoch. Primitive, primary, primordial, or unstratified rocks. Note. Mr. Lyell proposes to designate this system of rocks by the term hypogene from the Greek upo, under, and genomi, I beget, because they are found under other rocks. He objects to the words primary and primitive because these terms convey a notion as to the time and age of the formation and might lead to the error of supposing that they were formed before any other rocks were formed. But the term Hypogene refers exclusively to position. 
Under the name of primitive or primary rocks, from the Latin primus, first, before, we ordinarily designate the different rocks which appear to have been formed before the creation of plants and animals, the remains of which are found in less ancient strata and seem to be a foundation for rocks subsequently produced. As already stated, at its origin our globe must have been a mass kept in a state of fusion by the action of heat, and its surface became solid by slowly cooling. This first crust must have remained for a long time in a soft or pasty condition, and at first its temperature must have been too high to permit water to remain on its surface without evaporating. It must have been split in different directions by the contraction produced by cooling, and then resembled the masses of ice which in our day cover the surface of the polar seas. That is, it presented a very unequal surface, studded with immense fragments heaped up in all directions. In this first geological epoch were formed the massive rocks, such as granite, which serves as the base of all other rocks, and is the result of the solidification of mineral substances previously melted by heat. The cooling of this first crust must have also caused the precipitation of the least volatile matters diffused in the atmosphere, just in the same manner as a cold body placed in a warm, moist air is quickly covered by a layer of condensed vapor. And from this cause came new changes in the configuration of the surface of the globe and the formation of new beds of a crystalline texture. The most ancient portion of the crust of the earth known to geologists is composed chiefly of granite and some other unstratified rocks which appear to be also of igneous origin. We give the name of granite to a rock which is extremely hard, having a rough fracture which is composed of a confused agglomeration of crystals formed of three distinct materials. Some of these crystals have a glassy appearance and are ordinarily of a grayish color. They are quartz, the same material of which rock crystal is composed. Others, often large, opaque, and sometimes rose-colored, sometimes green, sometimes white or yellow, are formed of a mineral called feldspar. And the third variety of crystals, which are composed of mica, resemble small, brilliant spangles, sometimes black, and sometimes silvery white. Granite, then, consists of quartz, feldspar, and mica. Certain varieties of granite remain for centuries exposed to the inclemencies of the weather without undergoing any alteration, but other varieties are speedily disintegrated by the action of the atmosphere and are thus reduced to a kind of grit or argillaceous earth. It presents no trace of stratification and possesses all the characters of a rock of igneous origin. Granite, which seems to form the first basis, the foundation stone of the great geological edifice, remains uncovered at various points on the surface of the earth, while in other places it is covered by more or less numerous beds of more recent formations. But all the granitic rocks now scattered over the surface of the globe do not date from an antiquity so remote, for, in different recent epochs, mineral materials in a state of fusion have escaped from the bosom of the earth, which spread over formations then existing, and, on cooling, constituted immense masses of granite similar to that first formed. 
This rock is met with in different places in all parts of the world and is employed in the construction of edifices of various description. The beds which are deposited on the first massive crust of the globe are crystalline in structure, and this character is more decided the more ancient they are. They seem to have been exposed to the action of a great heat without possessing the characters of rocks of igneous origin. They consist principally of gneiss, mica schist, and argillaceous schist. Gneiss is a rock very analogous to granite as respects its elementary constituents, but its structure is foliated and presents a stratified arrangement. It appears to have been formed under water and seems to be the most ancient of the sedimentary formations because in certain places on the surface of the globe we find it covered by all the other formations. We often see it naked. It forms vast systems of rocks in which it is often alternated with mica schist and other ancient rocks. It is used in building and flagging. Mica schist is a lamellar rock composed of quartz, ordinarily grayish, and a great quantity of brilliant lamellae of mica arranged in extended leaves or scales. It commonly accompanies granite and gneiss. Argillaceous schist is in appearance an herby rock, which is easily divided into large lamennae, more or less thin, and was evidently formed under water by the deposit of sediment. Schist, from the Greek schistos, slaty, easily split. We also find in these primitive strata compact limestone of great hardness and other rocks which more or less resemble the preceding. These different rocks, the origin of which dates from the earliest period of geological history, constitute a great part of the present surface of the globe and are often found at great depths beneath less ancient formations. They present evident traces of great overthrows and the beds or layers which they form no longer occupy the horizontal position they must have had in the beginning, but are more or less inclined, twisted, and fractured as if at various times they had been broken and their immense fragments irregularly raised up. Those countries in which the primitive rocks constitute the surface are knotted and mountainous, and we find these same rocks in the most elevated points of the globe, where they form the mass of most great mountain chains. The central plain of France, comprising Auvergne, Limousin, Vivarais, and Valais, is formed almost entirely of primitive rocks, most of which are granitic. The same is true of a great part of Brittany and Corsica, Scandinavia and Finland, etc. These ancient rocks also constitute a large part of the Great Alps, of which Mont Blanc is the highest point, the Eastern Alps from San Goda to Hungary, the Pyrenees, the chain of Jetzgeberga in Saxony, the Grampian Hills of Scotland, the Ural Mountains in Russia, the Alleghenies in the United States, and the Andes in South America. As we have already stated, we find no fossils in the sedimentary formations of this geological period, and it is therefore inferred that in this epoch no living beings existed on the surface of the globe, but it may have been otherwise, and the absence of fossils in these strata depends on some cause, such as their destruction by heat, resulting from their vicinity to enormous masses of igneous rocks, effused near to, or even over and above, 
these non-fossiliferous strata. Second geological epoch, transition formation. The stratified formations which rest on the primitive strata just mentioned present us with the first traces of the existence of living beings on the surface of the globe and constitute a particular division generally named the transition formation, but designated by Mr. Lyle as the primary fossiliferous formation. The most recent name given, however, to these formations is Paleozoic, formed from the Greek polluios, ancient, and zoon, an animal, because they contain ancient animal remains. These formations closely resemble the preceding, and it is often difficult to distinguish them, but they do not appear to have begun to form until the first had been disturbed by some great geological convulsion. For the strata of which they are composed are not parallel to those of the rocks on which they rest, and they differ from them by having fossils entombed in their substance. They appear to have been formed by a slow and continuous deposit of sand, mud, and other materials suspended in water, and they consist chiefly of schists and calcareous rocks. The sea seems, then, to have covered the greatest part of the known surface of the globe, for we scarcely find a trace of terrestrial plants and immense depots of these strata, almost identical in character, are met with in the most distant parts of the earth, as in Germany, England, and America. To judge by the fossils concealed in these formations, the globe was then inhabited by a small number of plants belonging, for the most part, to the family of Fucus, and by a multitude of marine animals, the forms of which differed widely from those now existing. It is also remarked that most of these animals belonged to the inferior classes of the animal kingdom, and, until lately, it was believed no vertebrate animal then existed. But within a short time it has been ascertained there were marine fishes, for remains of them have been discovered in certain rocks whose formation dates back to this remote epoch. The most ancient beds of the transition formation contain very few fossils, while other rocks of the same formation are rich in these remains. These differences, which correspond with other peculiarities of stratification, have led geologists to divide this period into three divisions, called the Cambrian, Silurian, and Devonian systems of rocks. The Cambrian from Cambria in Wales, or Schistos system. The Cambrian rocks are the lowest sedimentary deposits known. They are composed essentially of schistose grauwacks, which pass through all shades of solidity, luster, and color. On one side, they unite with the mica schists and gneiss, and on the other, with the coarse grauwacks with which they are found intercalated. These rocks contain slate rocks, conglomerates, dark limestone, and fine-grained slates of various shades of purple, blue, and green. In the Cambrian rocks, the organic remains consist of a few fossil brachiopods, polyparia, or coral animals, etc. The Silurian system, from the Silures or Siluri, the ancient Britons who inhabited the region where these strata are most distinctly developed, is next above the Cambrian. It is subdivided into the upper and lower Silurian strata. 
In its mineral composition, it so closely resembles that of the Cambrian that it is often difficult to distinguish them. These strata are entirely of marine origin, and many of the beds, as the well-known Dudley limestone, are composed of shells, corals, crinoidea, and those peculiar crustaceans termed trilobites, held together by a calcareous cement. The presence of these fossil animals is characteristic of the Silurian and Devonian systems of strata because they are rarely met with in other situations. They are found entombed in slate and dark limestone. Trilobites, from their extraordinary form and appearance, have, for more than 150 years, been objects of great interest to the naturalist and of wonder to the general observer, and have long been provincially termed Dudley insects or locusts. The most common examples consist of a convex oblong body divided transversely into three principal parts and longitudinally into three lobes by two deep parallel furrows. From this last character, by which the family is recognized among naturalists, the name trilobite, from the Latin trace, three, and lobus, lobe, has been derived. These fossils are the carapaces or shells of crustaceans belonging to an extinct family which comprises many genera and numerous species. The class of crustaceans consists of two groups, namely those with eyes supported on movable peduncles as the crab and lobster and those with eyes fixed. The extinct order of trilobites belongs to the last. The Kalimini Blumenbachii is named after the celebrated German naturalist Blumenbach. The generic name Kalimini, formed from the Greek kakalumine, concealed, was devised to express the obscure nature of this genus of trilobites. It is found expanded with its undersurface attached to and blended with the limestone or coiled up. The head is large, convex, rounded in front with a broad border and divided into three lobes by two longitudinal depressions. It has two compound eyes with numerous facets situated at the back of the head remote from each other. This species is from one to four inches in length. It is a curious fact, says Mr. T.A. Conrad, paleontologist, State of New York, 1838, that whilst the Kalimini Blumenbachii ceased to exist in New York after the final deposition of the Trenton series, it escaped into remote seas and lived in the era of the Dudley limestone. In another genus, Esophus, from the Greek Usophis, obscure, the carapace is wide and much depressed, the middle lobe distinct, the cephalic portion rounded in front and terminating posteriorly in a sharp process on each side. The eyes are compound and each contains 400 spherical lenses. Some kinds of esophis have remarkably long, pointed, caudal appendages or tails. Some American species of this group are 18 inches in length. Besides the trilobites, the remains of other animals are found in the Cambrian and Silurian systems. They mostly belong to the division of brachiopod mollusks. Among those which are regarded as characteristic of the Silurian system are the Orthes orbicularis, Orthes testadenaria, the orthus is a circular shell with a striated surface and long, narrow hinge, 
the orthocerus from the Greek orthos, straight, and cirrus, horn, the lithuides of large dimensions, the productus, Latin, drawn out, dilated, or leptina from the Greek leptos, slender. The genus productus has received its name from a peculiarity observed in several species where the dorsal valve, after having attained a certain magnitude, bends suddenly at right angles to its former direction and is then continued irregularly, sometimes being produced, extended, to a considerable length. The whole shell is usually covered with strayi and spines, which in some species are numerous and very long, and which appear to have been movable, doubtless serving a purpose in the animal economy. The spirifer, from the Latin spira, a wreath, or twisting, and fero, I bear, is a brachiopod closely resembling the terebratula in many important characters, but differing from it in the singular spire of calcareous matter passing across the interior of the shell, and from which the name of the genus is derived. The species are very numerous and, next to terebratula, are the most abundant of all brachiopod fossils. The genus Terebratula, from the Latin terebro, I bore, bored, alluding to the perforated beak. Throughout the whole of the Paleozoic formation, certain species of terebratulae are found. This remarkable genus, which has in the present day some representatives in the existing seas, appears to have been created among the very first of the inhabitants of the first formed ocean and to have retained its place longer than any other. From the incalculable antiquity of their lineage, the Terebratulae have been humorously styled the fossil aristocracy. The genus Pentamerus, from the Greek pente, five, and merus, parts or cells, contains four known species, all of which belong to the Silurian rocks. In this genus, the lesser valve is divided internally by two parallel walls or septa running close together lengthwise along the shell, forming three cells. The other valve also has a septum or wall, which is forked towards the beak of the shell and divides it into two cells, thus forming the five cells to which it is indebted for its generic name. The casts of these shells often have fissures produced by the decomposition of the septa, and occasionally these cavities are occupied by calcareous spar. Of the polyparia, or corals which existed when the Silurian rocks were formed, representations of two genera are given. The cyathophyllum, from the Greek kwathos, a cup, and phulon, a flower. The abundance of corals of this genus in the Silurian system proves that the seas of that epoch must have teemed with these zoophytes. The catinopora, from the Latin catina, a chain, and porous, a pore. The oval form of the cells when united laterally and the flexuous disposition of the lamellae give rise in transverse sections to the elegant catenated markings from which appearance the fossil has received the name of chain coral. The species figured is common in Silurian limestone and sometimes forms hemispherical masses more than a foot in diameter. 
The organic remains of the Cambrian system differ from those of the Silurian system in being less developed. The genera and species of mollusks and corals found in both are alike. The Devonian system, so-called because it is largely developed in Devonshire, England, forms the superior part of the preceding formation. It appears to be composed at first of pudding stone with which it commences and to pass to sandstone with which it alternates at different places. Then come sandstone schists, more or less fine, different species of schist, limestones, alternating with each other, in the midst of which are found beds of anthracite. These various materials are differently developed in different countries. In England, the sandstones predominate. They form the old red sandstone, comprising strata of clay and marl of different colors. In other places, the limestones prevail with different clay slates or chloritic schists, sometimes intercalated with schistose quartz, as in Devonshire, and sometimes almost alone, as in Cornwall. This system presents us with depots of the oldest combustible materials known, and we find in it ferns, calamites, diverse species of plants differing but little from the plants found in the coal formation which immediately follows. We here find also a great many polyps, more or less analogous to the caryophilia, amplexus by some regarded as polyps and by others as chambered shells, which are found nowhere beside. The calceola, so nearly resembling certain productus, appears to be characteristic of the Devonian rocks, and perhaps also the Clymenia linearis, a chambered shell with a ventral siphon. Certain peculiar bivalves are also found, some brachiopods and among others the Terebratula porecta. Slates, so extensively used for roofs, are furnished from this group of ancient rocks, and on many we find impressions of trilobites. The upper part of the transition strata often contains carboniferous materials, sometimes disseminated among the schists, and at others constituting more or less extensive masses, which are generally composed of anthracite, though sometimes of bituminous coal. These three systems of rocks, namely the Cambrian, Silurian, and Devonian, which are not easily distinguished from each other, are found in most countries of Europe, where their assemblage constitutes the greater part of what is named the Transition or Paleozoic Formation. They abound in Brittany. There, the anthracitiferous mass forms a stripe along the Loire, extending from Maine to Morbihan, as well as other depots in Sardes and Mayenne. These rocks are found through the whole chain of the Pyrenees, in the southern part of Cévennes, in the mountains of Forez and Beaujolais, and in some parts of Vosges. They form all the Hansruck, Eiffel, and Ardennes, and the southern part of Belgium. They are met with in Hartz, in Saxony, and different parts of Germany, Sweden, and Norway. And they abound in England as well as in the United States. They everywhere offer a matrix for anthracite. Geologists are not agreed as to the natural limit between these strata and those of a more recent order, generally designated under the name of secondary formation. But most authors consider the period of transition to cease beneath the Carboniferous rocks and the coal measures. 
While the different stratified rocks we have spoken of were in progress of formation, there were effusions of granite and other igneous rocks on their surface, and these geological convulsions have produced in the strata elevations and changes of direction, so that many of them are raised up and are very much inclined, and in some instances almost vertical. It was during one of these revolutions that the mountains of Westmoreland and Cornwall in England were suddenly elevated. A part of those of Brittany and Bigor, etc. in France, of the Hansruck, Eiffel, and Hartz in Germany, and many other mountain chains. The superior transition strata, which were formed subsequently to this convulsion and rested on the edge of strata thus upheaved, were in turn dislocated and raised up, and according to the observations of a French geologist, Elie de Beaumont, this elevation appears to have been anterior to the formation of more recent rocks than those we have yet mentioned, and to correspond with the eruption of masses of igneous rocks of the mountains of Vosges, known under the name of Buttons of Alsace and Comte. The elevation of the hills of Bocage in Calvados and several mountain chains in England, Germany, and Poland appears to have occurred about the same time. The following diagram represents the several strata we have described in a horizontal position, one lying above the other, and embraces the granite or plutonic rocks below. Next, the aqueous or metamorphic rocks and above the whole, the transition formation consisting of the Cambrian, Silurian, and Devonian systems of strata. If we suppose the strata to have been in this position at the time of a geological convulsion, such as we have alluded to above, and that the granite should force its way upwards at A or B, we should find perhaps all the relations of the strata changed, presenting something like the arrangement represented in the following figure. The above figure represents the effect of the sudden rising up of a mass of granite, bursting and breaking through all the strata that were lying above it. Instead of a horizontal level surface, as in figure 27, we have a mountain of granite from the lowest stratum overtopping all the more recent formations, and the ends of the several strata, where they were broken to give passage to the granite, are brought up towards the Earth's surface, represented by the dotted line. In such a case as we here suppose, it would be very difficult for one who had not studied the subject to determine which stratum was first formed. It might seem to him that inasmuch as he finds the granite occupying the highest point and the transition rocks the lowest, that the granite is of the last or most modern formation. End of Lesson 2 Recording by Barbara Jade Sirenin in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, October 2016